say good evening. It's good to be here with you all. I hope you had a uh, pleasant Wednesday and that your time spent here will be worthwhile for you this evening. We've been uh, talking about interpersonal relationships. Thank you. We've been talking about interpersonal relationships this week, uh, titled the series Walking Together. And it has to do with how we walk together, how to walk together better, how to walk together in a way that is um, upbuilding to each other, is peaceful, and is um, pleasant. Tonight, our topic, topic is titled Talking Together, and it has to do with the communication aspect of relationships. How do we communicate well? How do we communicate um, love to each other and acceptance and yet communicate truth as is necessary? Today I met a man, but not really. Rather, our paths crossed. The private paths of our own separate worlds made a juncture and we were there. We told our impersonal names and shook each other's hand, warmly and firmly to convey our interest which wasn't there. We shared our views on the weather, politics, and latest news, and other foreign things which were not there. And when the conversation lagged, we said, glad to have met you. Same here. We lied, smiled, and extended our hands again and parted, glad to be on our separate ways from our little meeting Today I met a man, but not really. Communication is a vital part of our society, of our culture, of our relationships. It's so important in our relationships in the home. Um, I venture to say that one of the major problems in marriages today is that one or the other or both parties never really learn to communicate their feelings to each other or weren't willing to. I find that actually the know-how is probably not as much of an issue as the willingness to communicate. We would just rather give up and not bother to communicate well. Peter Drucker, often called the father of American management, claims that 60% of all management problems are a result of faulty communications. A leading marriage counselor says that at least half of all divorces result from faulty communication between spouses. And criminologists tell us that upwards of 90% of all criminals have difficulty communicating with other people. I would like to say that um, many conflicts in our homes and churches are really based on faulty communication and misunderstanding. And I would like to say that good communication while it is costly at times, is, again, worth the effort. It's worth the investment. We communicate differently. All of us have different ways of talking. Where I'm from, we talk just a little bit differently than you do here in the Midwest. I'm told that when they're actually looking for uh, news anchors in our major places, they will recruit from the Midwest because you have no accent. But we do in the South, although I haven't uh, acquired it, probably not as much. 
I'd like you to listen to the prayer of a country preacher down from Red Rock, Mississippi. And this was his prayer. He says, Oh Lord, give thy servant this morn in the eyes of the eagle and the wisdom of the owl. Connect his soul with a gospel telephone in the central skies. Illuminate his brow with the sun of heaven. Possess his mind with love for the people. Turpentine his imagination. Grease his lips with possum oil. Loosen his tongue with the sledgehammer of thy power. Electrify his brain with the lightning of the word. Put petrol motion on his arm. Fill him plumb full of dynamite of thy glory and anoint him all over with the kerosene oil of thy salvation and set him on fire. Amen. Communication. Some things to think about. Define communication. Um, I think some of us would struggle with that, perhaps. We'll be trying to do that tonight, is to define communication, what it actually is. Is it just talking or do we communicate in ways that are even more powerful than talking? How well do you communicate with other people? If you were to rate yourself, how well do you actually communicate? Most of us feel that we communicate quite well. We feel that surely people should understand what we're trying to get across. What would you see as the number one hindrance to good communication? Discuss some of those tonight. And which is more important to emphasize in communication? Is it, in fact, love or is it truth? And the answer to that is going to depend on you a lot. Some of us tend to want to emphasize truth in communication and others more love, but of course we'll see later from Scripture that both are involved in good Christian uh, godly communication. Okay, first then we want to look at what is the need for better skills, communication skills. And I have a few there. Number one, misunderstandings are one of the primary reasons for stress in relationships. As we're walking together, um, it, it the walk is so much better if we um, understand each other, if we are communicating well with each other. And we communicate in so many ways. We communicate with a silence and with speech. We communicate with all kinds of other methods. But if we don't communicate well, there is stress built up. And I can speak from personal experience that the stress that can be placed on a young marriage perhaps where you'd never really learn to communicate well is is an unnecessary stress. It's a stress. There's enough stressors out there beyond faulty communication. And so we need to invest in good communication. Secondly, somewhat of a broad statement, a, a relationship is only as good as its communication. If you do, cannot communicate well, I would say your relationship is in trouble. It may not be much of a relationship. 
if you do not communicate, if you do not make the effort to communicate. We do have uh, people that are legally married, but in fact they're pretty much divorced. They don't really, the relationship is, there's not much there for practical purposes. I read a story that illustrated how, how communication doesn't absolutely have to be in your relationship, but it is such a blessing when it's there. A happy couple had always raised cucumbers and made sweet pickles together. The husband just loved to watch things grow, thus he spent his winter studying the seed catalogs to get the best possible cucumbers. The whole family enjoyed preparing the soil, planting, and caring for the plants. He would often go out and just enjoy the way they grew. His wife loved to make sweet pickles. She studied the best recipes and the best methods of preparing and preserving them. They were such a happy family and all their visitors went home with a jar of their famous pickles. The church always had a good supply of their pickles as well. People marveled at this family that had found a project to do together. Finally, the man died. The next spring, all the children returned home. They said to their mother, we know how much you love making pickles, so we are going to prepare the garden and plant them for you. The mother smiled and said, Thanks a lot, children, but you don't have to do any planting, for I really don't enjoy pickle making. I only did that because your father loved to grow the cucumbers so much. The children were all amazed, but the youngest son was upset because the father had pulled him aside not too long before and shared with him that he really didn't like growing cucumbers, but only did it to please the mother. My question for you, is this a happy story? Or not. I'm not sure. In many ways it is happy. They were happy doing for each other. People enjoyed being with them. But why is it also sad? Primarily because they were not able to share their changing needs and joys with each other. Instead of growing, they stagnated in the performance of what they thought were their duties to each other. And in any relationship, there must be um, movement. As we uh, relate to people, there it's, it should never be a stagnant thing. If it gets old and stagnant, it becomes an unhealthy relationship. There must be give and take. There must be uh, acknowledgement of change. And, and uh, if we don't communicate well, it, it takes a lot of the joy out of that. Need for better communication skills. Different groups of people speak different languages. Um, especially different genders. Um, we communicate differently. Um, teens and adults is pretty noticeable the way the communication is. A lot of times it's different. Uh, children and parents, men and women. I've heard that we men compartmentalize. I don't know if you know what that's all about, but we have compartments in our brain that where we put things. And you don't dare to move them out of their compartment. Okay, we have a thing for this, we have a thing for this, we have a thing for this. And, and we don't want to, we don't multitask as well. Um, somebody illustrated that one time with, uh, with fishing. I don't know how many of you enjoy go fishing, but a lot of men do, some women do as well. But when we're fishing, we are actually communicating with an empty department, compartment up here. There's nothing going on at all. 
we are there hanging that, that line into the water and we're just enjoying nothingness. We're not deeply meditating or anything like that. Where um, ladies tend to multitask and they are doing, I don't know how many different things all at once. And their brain is doing this number. If you could draw a picture, it would be like sizzling and sparks flying and, and going all over the place. And while they're, you know, talking to you, they're really doing something else. And, and so we have a bit of a different way that we, that we think and how we communicate. Men pay attention to what is said. Now these are generalizations. Not all men and women are like this, but we are result oriented. I am. I, I, okay, I have a problem. Let's put it down. One, two, three, and we're going to fix this thing. Um, we, we are looking at, at actually what is said very directly. Uh, many times, uh, our wives perhaps may be more interested in the process and hidden meanings. You know, did you, what did you mean by that? Well, I didn't mean anything by that, but exactly what I said. But they're suspicious that we have something else going on, which they probably do. <laughs> a lot of hidden stuff that you were supposed to catch and dumbing you, you never did. Honey, my wife tells me, I know I told you that. Well, no, I didn't hear it. Well, you weren't listening to me. Have you ever noticed how children play in the in the in the sandbox. Boys make noise. They don't communicate intelligibly necessarily. The little guys out there and the little girl, same age, maybe even younger, is you know into a deep uh, discussion of some type. And so there is a huge difference there. And and in relationships that involve the two sexes, then of course we need to understand that we. We communicate differently. And, and men, guys, I'm talking to you because I am one of those. And one of our bigger problems is that not that we couldn't communicate better, but we're not willing to. We're not willing to make the investment and the effort. And so we don't talk nearly as much as our female counterparts do. The numbers are outstanding. There's a large disparity in the amount of talking that goes on between men and women. So there is that 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 gets in the way of communication. We do not communicate as well as we think we do. Right here, I'm standing here and I'm speaking loudly and distinctly, I think, and I think I'm communicating, but it's going out here, oh, about halfway out into the room. Okay, and I thought I've given it a good boost out there. And... Then it has to go down and into your ear, and then it gets interpreted in there. And, and by the time it's all done, it's probably not what I thought it was. And we're going to try to illustrate that for you. We don't communicate as well as we do, as we think we do. The potential is tremendous if we are willing to invest in new skills. I, I'll vouch for that. What is the efficiency of communication between the average person? We got Sam and Andy here, and they're communicating. On one side, Sam is saying something, and the middle is the understood balloon. 
and on the other side is, is whatever uh, Andy is hearing, and they're going back and forth. If you were to plot that out, you would say that um, that the uh, blocks A and C are subject to interpretation. And not nearly what we think is actually uh, is getting through is not actually getting through. A plus B plus C is the total communication. A plus C is what is said that is subject to interpretation. B in the middle is what is understood. And the efficiency is, what do you think percentage-wise, and this comes from the experts, of actually makes it through. In other words, what I have intended to communicate to you in, a, say, a normal face-to-face conversation, and we're both speaking English, okay? Maybe not Midwest English, but it's, it's an English of sorts, and we're both in, in, in speaking to you. What percentage is actually communicated, do you think? 30%. That's what they'll say. That's what the experts say, about 30%. What is the definition for communication? It is an impartation of living ideas evoking mental and emotional responses. Think that statement through. It's pretty loaded. It's the impartation of living ideas. It starts with somebody's living ideas that evoke mental and emotional responses. So there has to be two ends to a communication. It's not a one-sided thing. It is the impartation and there is the receiving of, of uh, information and, and it, that which evokes a response of some type. That is a definition of communication. Ideal communication happens when the true meaning and the intended aim of communication is accurately transmitted to the receivers. Today we um, are into digital communication, and it's a beautiful thing because I can record this message as I'm doing, and it gets put into zeros and ones, if you will, and those zeros and ones will stay zeros and ones until they're interpreted later on, and there's no loss, really. Back in the old analog days, there was a lot of, a lot of loss in, in, in accuracy and so on. But in communicating, you saying something to your spouse or to your friend or to your pastor, and uh, the, the accuracy is, is only there if we are careful with our communication. And we're careful because we want to uh, communicate well, we want to reduce stress, we want to eliminate misunderstandings as much as possible. Okay, a few scriptures to give us some background as to communication and the Christian. The first one is the one that you've probably memorized as a child. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And that, that is a proverb that is, that is universal and it's really, really profound. Uh, soft answer, typically when you get in a sticky situation, is, is, is proven to turn away wrath. Don't, don't, don't start shouting because it becomes cumulative. Um, and I, I, as I was meditating on this message a bit today, I, lo- I looked up the word grievous. 
is used here in the King James Version, it is harsh. It, it means literally harsh or painful. The, the Hebrew word from which it is translated means literally something that is painful or harsh. And so, harsh words stir up anger. And the scripture is very clear about anger. We don't want to stir up anger. Anger, the, the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. And that emotion and that is triggered by harshness is, is very likely going to stir some very ungodly responses. So this is excellent advice with communication, a soft answer. Firm answers, sometimes they have to be very firm and straightforward, but they need to, uh, softness is, is, a, is a good way to go. Colossians 4.6 is a key verse relating to our speech. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Your speech should always be with grace. I'm not sure what, what the word grace evokes in your mind. But grace is something that is um, extended to us, is it not, by God. We receive God's grace. If it were not for God's grace, we would be lost. We receive God's grace and we should extend God's grace to others. And the way that we extend it in our speech is gracious speech. Speech that is giving out better than the recipient deserves, right? Better than they, the response that they have just called out in me. My natural response would be X amount, but as a Christian, I, I am going to extend grace to the person I'm communicating with. And that is a real principle with, uh, with Christian speech, Christian communication, is to extend grace and to uh, season it with salt, which may be uh, God's spirit, God's word in there with it, tempering it, giving it a, a good flavor. Uh, and we know that we may know how to answer every man. Okay, another familiar scripture. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. What James is emphasizing to us as Christians is that our speech is very, much, very, very important. He calls about, he talks about bridling our tongue, and and the illustration, of course, would be a a horse or something that that has a bridle on, and we keep a tight rein on it. Why? Because our speech can be so harmful so easily. Um, some of it can be so caustic and so. So sharp. Some of you are really good with your tongues. I know you are. Some of you can can cut another person down just just like that with, with your words. You're very good and you're very quick. I had a boss uh, when I worked with the airline that was good like that. But not good, but he was effective that way. The saying was going around our facility that he, you walked into his office... And he was the director of maintenance and uh, had your conference with the boss and you didn't bother to open the door on the way out. You just went right underneath. Didn't need to, need to worry about the door. Words are so powerful. They are so, so powerful. 
If you don't bridle your tongue, James is as far to say that your religion, your your outward expression of, of Christianity is, is ineffective. It's it's vain. A key scripture from our Lord relating to the heart and speech. And this is something that you really need to listen up. This is a very key part of communication. Either make the tree good, he says, and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Jesus attaches tremendous importance to the Christian, the godly person's speech. Number one, I would like to say out of this scripture in verse 33, that your speech identifies you. You know what I'm saying? You meet someone and you have a conversation, maybe with an unbeliever, maybe with someone who doesn't know Christ, doesn't know anything about God or whatever, and you have a conversation with them. Your, your speech has a way of identifying you, has, has a way of putting a tag on you. Jesus said that the tree is good and its fruit is good or else make the tree corrupt. And his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. And one of our fruits... One of our fruit out of our spiritual life is our speech. That is something we produce. If you see an apple on a tree, what kind of tree is it? It's an apple tree. If you see a cherry on a tree, what kind of a tree is it? It's a cherry tree. It's not something else. If I was to ask you teenagers, if you see a money tree, if you see a money on a tree, what kind of a tree is it? It's your parents. Okay. How does your speech identify you? This is a personal question for you. If you were to put a qualifier, quantifier on on your personal speech, what could be taken from it? Is it is it is there a tag put on you? This is a godly person. This is a caring person. This is a loving person. Or this is a person who is who is harsh who is ungodly in, his, in their speech. So that's the first point. Secondly, your speech reveals your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, or a newer translation would say the overflow of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And, and I'm going to be focusing a lot tonight on the mechanism of speech and communication and how to do it well, but... I would be very remiss in in saying that is the most important thing about this whole thing with communication. The most important thing is that the heart, that the source, in fact, be good. That your heart is cleansed. That your wickedness is repented of. Because you can actually 
squash what's in your heart. You can put an iron lid on what's in your heart and, and if you are very disciplined, it never comes out. It really doesn't come out in, in speech until something happens, right? Until something very dramatic happens. Somebody said the, the cup can stay full until it gets shaken up a little bit and then some spills over. And then what is it that's going to overflow from your heart? This is a question you're going to have to answer. What is in your heart? At some point it's going to overflow. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the good or bad stored up in the heart, things will be brought forth. In an unguarded and agitated moment when your emotion is triggered, the third point I'd like to make from this passage is that your speech will be judged. This is very clear from Jesus' words here, that our speech will be judged in the end. And these are very harsh words. There's no way to sugarcoat them. If there's nothing in your speech to indicate that you have love and allegiance to Christ, then maybe you don't. And God will use your words as evidence against you when you face Him at judgment. Our speech must be cleansed and wrong speech repented of and covered with the blood of Christ. Our speech must be sanctified and brought under the control of the Holy Spirit. We must be concerned about what we are storing up in our heart. Okay, that's the scriptural basis for um, talking together, process of communication. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold, in pictures of silver, as an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. I am very much a process-oriented individual. I like pictures. I like graphs. I love uh, drawings and so on, like a very visual type of person. So I tried to put together a little visual here for us about the process of communication. The idea is not original with me. In communication, you have a sender and a receiver. And I like to depict that with a, uh, say, a cell phone tower, a radio tower. There is a sender and there is a receiver in communication. Of course, two-way communication, they swap places all the time. But there is a sender and there is a receiver. In the communication, there is encoding that takes place. Encoding is where, in the case of you or I, when we're talking to someone else, we encode our thoughts into communication. In our brains, we can take what we're thinking and put them into some kind of medium that can be communicated, that can be transmitted to a receiver. And of course, that's where the first problem can easily come in, is where we encode things improperly. Uh, We don't encode them well. The The next process is what we call symbols. In a... um, Cell phone tower or radio transmission, these, these would be radio waves, electromagnetic signal of some type. And by the way, they're just coursing through this room right now, right? 
All kinds of electromagnetic radiation is, is coursing right through this room. If you have the proper receiver, you can receive those. But they are the symbols. In our communication, we use symbols. The symbol I'm using right now is an audible sound, right? I have vocal cords, and they are they do a marvelous thing, and, and they, they, you, you pass air through them, and, and they get a, a sound transmission is directly sent to you. So we communicate in face-to-face conversation primarily with audible words. What other ways do we communicate? We communicate with our tone of voice. I can communicate with my tone of voice, and it's very much a, a symbol of what I'm trying to get across. I communicate even more strongly with my body language. The way I hold myself, the way I act when I'm communicating. I can walk up to you and not say a word, and I can communicate volumes to you. Or I can just, just by avoiding you, let's say, I can communicate huge amounts of information to you. So the symbols that we use are, are varied in our communication. The excerpts will tell us that only about 7% of communication is verbal. About 7%. About 38% is vocal, as in volume, tone, pitch, rhythm, and so on. And 55% is body movements. Um, Mostly facial expressions. We also communicate by the way we dress, by the way we react to problems and situations through looks, through handshakes, and so on. A little girl and a little boy were at daycare one day. The girl approaches the boy and says, Hey, Tommy, want to play house? He says, Sure. What do you want me to do? The girl says, I want you to communicate your feelings. Communicate my feelings, said the bewildered Tommy. I have no idea what that means. The little girl smirks and says, Perfect. You can be the husband. The other end of this process is decoding, taking those symbols and attaching meaning to them and receiving them receiving them in. This is where Christian communication skills really take off. What are you reading into someone else's communication? Are you reading into it things that should not be there? Are you listening carefully? Are you making sure that you understand? Are you decoding those symbols properly? And I'm I'm probably going to be picking on our ladies a little bit tonight, but bear with me, okay? I have no ill feelings towards you at all. But when my wife comes to me and starts crying... What is the first response that a husband tries to do when your wife cries? You want to fix it, don't you? You can't stand that. And by the way, ladies, please be careful not to overuse this thing, okay? We want to fix stuff. And and a lot of times, they don't want to be fixed. 
This one radio host, uh, author and radio host Steve Brown tells about the necessity of allowing the hurt of others to affect us. I have a dear friend who in the last two or three years has come close to tears whenever we talked about certain important matters. I'm a fixer and fixers, when they see tears, see a problem in need of fixing. I offered all kinds of suggestions to my friend to stop the tears and to make her feel better. Finally, after a number of failed attempts, she said to me, stop it. Just stop it. My tears are good. Communication, decoding of a communication to us is so important. You know, so many bad things happen in relationships when we inaccurately interpret what is being communicated to us. And we read into it things that were never intended to be there. We want to be very careful to accurately communicate to avoid misunderstandings. And being able to do that, part of the process of establishing a close relationship is simply for us to become a student of the person that we want to relate to. And I mentioned that a bit, I think, last night or the night before. Become a student of the person that you're relating to. Try to, to, to draw them out and understand where they're coming from. Don't just assume that they're saying what they're not trying to say. Take the time, make the effort to understand what they're, what they're trying to communicate. And it may not be at all what they're saying. They may not even know how to say what they're feeling at all. And they're trying to communicate something to you and you're missing it entirely. You're going off in a half. There's a big old misunderstanding. And now you're going to be unhappy and she's going to be unhappy. And you've just made a mess out of stuff. And what a bit of understanding and time and digging out what the other person is trying to say is so much a Christian thing to do. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, The purposes of a man's heart, and this could be a woman, are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. The the Proverbs writer is giving good advice. He says, The purposes of a man's heart are like deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. You go in there and you work and work with that situation until you know what is trying to be communicated to you. And you love that person and you want to make sure you understand. And I speak from experience when I tell you it can be a very frustrating process. I'll tell you. Understanding can be a very frustrating process and a very painful one. But it is... it. You invest, it's going to cost you, and it will pay back. Gary Smalley, in his book, and I mentioned that book earlier, The DNA of Relationships, he says the following. He was describing a situation. During a rocky period in Bob's marriage, his wife Jenny let him know that she did not feel loved. Her revelation practically killed Bob because he loved Jenny very much. The situation frustrated him beyond words. He just couldn't figure out what she meant. Bob considered himself pretty skilled at opening his heart to receive God's love and to feel lots of love for Jenny and others. The fact that she could still feel unloved baffled him. No matter what he did, his love didn't seem to get through. Bob wondered why he seemed completely inept at getting love from his heart to hers. One day while on his way home from work, Bob thought he'd surprise his wife and sweep her off her feet. 
He had it all planned. He'd walk in the door, put down all his stuff, and find her in the kitchen where she'd be preparing dinner. He would quietly sidle up to her, pick her up, swing her around, and give her a big, passionate kiss. He figured it would make her day. So that's what he did. What was Jenny's response? She glowered at him, making no effort to hide her red-hot anger. Once again, Bob was baffled. He thought, what is your problem? Here I am acting out every woman's dream. I am being Joe Romance and you are angry at me. What's the deal? The two encounters caused Bob to reevaluate how he interacted and communicated with his wife. He realized that although his goal had been to show Jenny his love, he wasn't getting the job done. Obviously, Jenny still did not feel loved, so whatever he was doing, it was not working. As a guy, Bob told me, it got to the point where I thought, this is dumb. I'm tired of being a total failure. No matter what I do, it never works. So finally I said to myself, maybe I should find out why this isn't working for her and see if there's something else I could do. I'm sick of being a relational goat. I want to be a hero. A lot of us, especially men, struggle with this skill. Men tend to think in a linear way, cut to the chase, get to the bottom line. We want to solve a problem and complete a task, not deal with emotions. We want only to figure out how to fix it. Without listening for and responding to the emotions, however, all of the problems solving in the world won't get us to the real problem. We have found that only when we understand the feelings involved can we effectively start the task of problem solving. Once my friend Bob understood this and then started acting on it, his rocky marriage got, on, got not only a lot smoother, but also more enjoyable. I chose to become a student of Jenny to learn about what she thinks and feels, Bob said. Later that night after dinner was done, I asked her, Hey, how come you got so upset when I came in and swung you around and kissed you? Jenny's quick reply struck a chord of fear in Bob all the way down to the tips of his toes. She looked at him and said, Do you really want to know? Bob thought, Oh man, do I really want to know? He wasn't sure. But by that point, he felt committed to hanging up the goat's hat in favor of the one that said hero. So he said, yes, I really want to know. When you did that, Jenny explained, at that moment I had about ten things on my mind. I was rushing around just trying to get dinner together, and it felt as if you wanted me to drop everything I was doing and just focus on you, as if nothing else in my life mattered to you. You didn't care about me or anything going on in my life. Bob swallowed hard, then replied, Okay, that's really not what I wanted to do. That's not what I was trying to accomplish. I was trying to bless you, to do something that would make you feel loved. What could I have done instead? Hmm, Jenny replied. You really want to know? Bob gulped again and said, Yes, I really want to know. Well, if you had paused for a moment when you got to the doorway of the kitchen and just noticed what was going on with me and then rolled up your sleeves and started doing the dishes or even asked how you could help, I would have felt so loved. Immediately Bob thought, you know, this is not that complicated. Become a student of the one you are relating to. Understand, try to understand them. The final part of our process of communication is something called feedback. And it's an important principle in communication. Why do we give feedback? We give feedback to make sure their misunderstanding is not there. 
back when I was in the aviation field, I used to taxi aircraft around the, the, the airfield. And what do, what do people that are in control of an airplane need to do when they are given instructions by ground control or the tower? They repeat it back. Every time. You, there, it is just protocol. Pilot, he goes for takeoff and he says, the control tower says clear for runway 21. He repeats it back, clear to runway 21. Why do they go through all this hassle? He should have heard, he should have known. It's to be, because it is so important that you understand. And the more important your relationship is, the more important that relationship is to you, let's say your spouse, or some person in the church who, who you're struggling to relate to, or your boss. The more important that person is to you, the more important it is that you communicate well and that you make sure there isn't a misunderstanding left there. Give them feedback. And it's not that difficult. All you got to do is somebody tells you something that is pretty startling to you rather than going off in a huff and say, well, that guy's a jerk. You say, okay, do I understand you to say... Just repeat it back. Are you saying so-and-so? And the reason you're doing it is to make sure there's not a misunderstanding. Because you wouldn't believe how many people walk away from situations and are feeling all bad and all stressed out simply because a misunderstanding has happened. You go back to them and say, Did you really, you really mean that? Say, no, 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 I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. And then you complete the communication. Feedback is so important. Okay, so a few guidelines for communication then. Guidelines for good communication. Number one, gain rapport. Everybody knows what rapport is. It's a connection that you make when you go to talk someone to someone. Gain rapport. You go up to someone and you... We men don't know what to say very well when we approach someone. We ask what the weather's like somewhere. Okay, we've got a very poor opening line. But we are there to make a connection. And we try, you get gain rapport with someone. You don't just walk up to the blue and, and, and not make a connection. That's, you gain what's called empathy uh, to enhance your communication. Same way when you go to witness to someone in the street. Do you ever walk up and say, listen, fellow, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. Is that how you start? No, you don't. I mean, you could. But there's a, there is a rapport that needs to be set up before that. Secondly, remove distractions from your communication. There's so many distractions that we bring into communications. What are some of the, the main ones? And I enjoy doing this material in a class setting because I like feedback from you, but I'm going to go ahead and list the ones that I have. What are some distractions to good communication? First one is superiority. Talking down your nose at someone. Giving the impression I think I'm better than you. The next one is self-centeredness. Maybe I have this on this list. I don't remember. Superiority is number one. Self-centeredness, always talking about yourself, me, I, I, myself, and what have you. Dogmatism. And I venture to say in this group there are some very dogmatic people who are pretty sure that exactly what they're saying is true. 
Another one that I struggle with that I have to watch for myself is sensitivity or insensitivity. Uh, just blurting out stuff without evaluating it. Insensitivity can ruin relationships very, very easily. Another one is manipulation. Do you ever get the feeling when you're talking to somebody they are manipulating you? They are basically uh, using you for their own ends. They are basically steering you around and using you in that conversation. Manipulation is easily detected and is a very big um, detriment to good communication. And the final one that I have here in this list, and you could add a lot to this list, is judgmental attitude. A judgmental attitude is, is a big one with, with communication, and especially in a church setting where uh, even though it's not intended that way, it can come across that way very easily as being a judgmental approach. Some basic guidelines. We need someone to listen. And the other side of communication, maybe even the more important side, is to become a good listener. And we need someone to listen. You may not realize, but you need someone to listen to you. They don't need to solve all your problems, but we need someone to listen. Listening is, is a real skill. And it's, a, it's probably the, 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 the part that is not mastered very well in communication. Another story here quickly. Robert Fisher opens his book Quick to Listen with a personal story from his college days. He was hitchhiking to his girlfriend's house some 250 miles away. He decided to put the good listener concept to the test. There were not many cars on the road on Saturday morning, but one did stop and picked him up, and it looked like he had the first 100 miles covered. To make conversation, he decided to just ask interesting questions and listen. Soon the driver was talking nonstop. When they got to the place where their ways parted, the driver decided to take him another 10 miles, where he was more likely to get another ride. When they got to that spot, there didn't seem to be much traffic, so the driver said, I might as well take you over the mountain. I don't have that much to do today. That was another 75 miles. When they crossed the mountain, the driver was still busy talking and Fisher was still attentively listening. He said, I have come this far. I might as well take you the rest of the way. During all the time they were talking, the driver never asked about Fisher's life at all, but just kept talking about his family, his business, and his goals. When he left Fisher out of the car, he said, I want you to know that you are absolutely the best conversationalist I have ever met. This, don't disregard this principle of listening well. Listen well, become a good listener. That is probably the most important part of a good communication skill is listen well. Ask questions. It's a part of what we talked about last night of, of not focusing on yourself, but on focusing on others. It's humility. It's, it's, it's asking them questions. Get them to talk. And it does, it does, it's a Christian grace that you're extending by doing that. And it's also a very big release for them. They feel so good. Somebody's listening to me, okay? Would somebody please listen to me? Have you heard that? Nobody is listening. You are not listening to me. 
Your mind is a hundred miles away. My wife has told me that. You are not listening to me. And I probably wasn't. Some of you don't listen very well, I'll tell you. Some of us don't. And a Christian grace of communication is, is to practice it very much. Listen, listen, listen to what they're saying. Don't just listen for the words. Listen for the feelings that are there. Listen for the, 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 the intentions that are behind. Somebody may be hurting really badly and they're not communicating it very well. But you can, you can listen to them and you can listen to them and you can allow them to speak. Someone has said listening, not talking, is the mark of a great communicator. And the true listener is much more beloved, much more magnetic than the talker. Make it a priority to listen well. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, James says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to rest. When is it especially critical? Um, in times of distress, when someone has a real problem going on. What they need is someone to listen. You may not be able to do a, a thing about the problem. You may not be able to fix it, but the, you need to listen. You need to listen and let them tell you about it. It's encouragement and affirmation. The need to be understood. Job was a, was a person that really struggled with that. He said, oh, that one would hear me. He shouted at God and God didn't seem to be talking he said, oh, I just need somebody to listen to me. I'm in trouble and nobody's listening. In times of distress, we need to listen. In times of disagreement. Times when people are struggling with agreement, we need to listen. Listen well. Listen patiently. In times of distance, when you feel your relationship is is is. Causing, bringing, it's not close. There's, there's a distance there in your relationship. It's a time for listening. Open up and listen. Listen to what they have to say. Prompt them to tell you what it is. It is lonely behind the walls of relationship distance. I'm lonely in here. Would somebody please listen? What are the habits of a good listener? Move through these fairly quickly. Number one, unhurried time. Unhurried time. Just continue to listen. Don't don't put a timer on it. Okay, you're going to have to talk more quickly. Um, people know when you have that attitude. Secondly, focused attention. One wife said to her husband, "Listen to me with your eyes." Read your partner. Let them know that you are intensely listening. Repeated content. We talked about that. That is the feedback. And along with that also would be clarifying questions. Make sure that you understand. Those are the habits of a good listener. Okay, we're going to kind of wrap this thing up with a look at some unbalanced communications. Are you unbalanced in the way you communicate? And there are four areas that we're going to look at. Number one, we're going to look at the stuffer. A person who stuffs 
And guys, especially listen up, men. I know I am. I don't mean, I don't know, maybe you're not, but I tend to withdraw when I, when there's a problem in a relationship. I tend to just kind of uh, clam up and I just kind of take everything on in and I just keep stuffing it on in. And I get really, you know, hurt and what have you and kind of pull back into my cave. I get discouraged. Just kind of stuffing, not, not, not communicating well. That is an imbalance. The opposite of that, of course, is not good either. It's called a gusher. And that is, of course, just talking too much. The gusher thinks with their mouth open. Has an answer for every problem while the stuffer doesn't confront problems. Thinks that true spirituality is correcting others' faults. That is the gusher. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. And it's an imbalance. We need to talk, but we don't need to gush. Another imbalance, as some of you are probably there, is a, a judger. Everything that is being said is being judged immediately. That's an imbalance in communication as well. You just listen to judge. And you, you become critical. The opposite of that, which is also, also a very unhealthy attitude, is the enabler. One who is, uh, every, I'm good, you're good, and nothing is, needs to be done about it. I don't know if you find yourself in any of these imbalanced, unbalanced conditions. It's, uh, it is uh, scripturally, I didn't read all of them, but there's a lot, has a lot to say about those imbalances. Wrapping it up, truth and love and communication. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things which is the head, even Christ. We need to balance honesty with kindness. Next time you need to approach a brother or sister with a problem in their life, we do need to be honest. We need to not tell an untruth. We don't need to, to tell a partial truth. We need to be honest, but it needs to be done with balanced on the caring side with kindness. You need to couple openness with discretion. You don't say everything you know. I could give you examples of that. That can be very harmful in your communication. You don't say everything you know. Correctness with helpfulness. If you offer correction, you should be helpful with that. That balances it out. Preaching with compassion. You preach at someone, you need to do it with compassion. Reproof with devotion. These are the balances that truth and love need for each other. Okay, that's what I had tonight. I, uh, I feel like communication is a very important part of relationships. And just a couple of recaps for you. We need to make sure we understand each other. And we, so much of the communication that happens is not just verbal. We need to be students of each other and try to understand what is he or she really trying to tell me.
It doesn't. It isn't necessarily verbal. Maybe he doesn't know how to say it. Okay. Maybe he has no clue how to communicate what he's trying to communicate with you. As a Christian communicator, we need to dig that out, dig deep into their heart and see what it is they really mean. If someone tells you something very startling, we need to make we need to verify. Okay, we need to make sure that is in fact what they're trying to say. Give them a chance to clarify it. And for those of us who are not really good communicators, we need to put extra effort into it. And I don't want to stereotype too heavily tonight, but guys, listen up. We struggle with that probably more. Make the effort. Make the effort. It's so much easier just to run off and hide and say, oh my goodness, there's nothing to be done here. I'm out of here. Make the effort to communication. It's part of the truth and love and communication. God bless you. Let's stand for a benediction.